One of the hottest topics since the end of the World Cup has been about whether MS Dhoni should retire from cricket or not. Dhoni has had an amazing career. He is the most successful Indian captain winning the ODI World Cup in 2011 by hitting a six to take them over the line, the T20 World Cup with a young team in 20, 2007 and also the ICC Champions Trophy in 2013. In addition, he also took India to the top of the test rankings for the very first time in 2009. He stepped down from the ODA captaincy in 2016 and prior to that he had uh, retired from test cricket at the end of 2014 in Australia while still being the captain. In both of these formats he handed over the reins to Virat Kohli who has since led India admirably. Holding a reputation of being one of the best finishers in ODA cricket, Dhoni's batting prowess throughout his career has been a key reason for his popularity. In addition, he is an excellent wicketkeeper, especially to spinners, and his speed of stumping is measured in microseconds, which is a testament to how quick and excellent he is behind the wicket. From 2007 to 2015, his ODA batting has been consistently exceptional, with an average of above 45 throughout this period. After India's loss in the semi-finals of the 2015 World Cup, one of the questions that kept coming up was whether Dhoni would be able to last until the 2019 World Cup. To fan these flames, Dhoni's form also slumped from 2015 until the end of 2016 and then again from September 2017 to December 2018. In this period, he was still winning matches, but it was quite clear that his speed of scoring had reduced and he was taking matches more deeper than otherwise. He faced a lot of criticism during this period, mainly due to the fact that he had set a bar that was so high and it was impossible to reach it all the time. For instance, his batting average was still 41 at a strike rate of 82 and his chasing wins average was also 58, which is still pretty impressive. However, he turned around things from Jan 2019 and has had an average of 60 this year. In the World Cup, he had a few questionable innings that drew criticism, however, especially his innings against England where it wasn't clear why he wouldn't force the pace much earlier than he, he tried to. On the flip side, Dhoni kept vigil in the semi-finals against New Zealand by providing the platform for Jadeja's innings and was unfortunate to get run out in that crucial period. There is no question that Tony's career has been exceptional, but choosing when to retire can be one of the toughest decisions a sportsperson has to make. Now, let's take a journey through the past 30 years of great cricketers and look at how players have handled retirement. In order to make it simpler, I have categorized it into the following five categories. One is, will he ever retire? Second, overstayed. Third, people who timed their exit well. Fourth, people who retired on top and fifth people who understayed are almost making people feel why did he retire there have been a few players who were able to stay on in the team for a very long time without retiring even after their performance has dropped this was mainly possible because of the outsized reputation they had built up throughout their career one of the classic cases of this was Ian Botham. He had a spectacular career as an, uh, as an English all-rounder and was certainly one of the greatest all-rounders ever. He took a total of 383 wickets in his test match career and also he had a, above 30 average with the bat. 
He retired in 1992 after a test series versus Pakistan at home. However, if you look closely, he only took a total of 17 wickets in his last 13 test matches and all of those were played after 1986. In effect, his last 6 years were almost barren with respect to the amount of wickets he took. And with the bat, he also averaged only 30 plus in these 6 years. Clearly, he was someone who long overstayed and was definitely not worthy of being in the side during the final stages of his career. Another example is the great Javad Miandar. He had a reputation of never letting go, whether it's a match or at the end his career. Miandar was Pakistan's most successful batsman and easily I think he would be on par with Enzima Mughak. After the 1992 World Cup success, he took over as captain from Imran Khan, but he did not play for that long. His last test match was in 1993 and between 1990 and 1993 his test average was just 34 versus a career average of 52. However, he was notorious for making a comeback in the 1996 World Cup after not having played any international cricket for more than 2 years. He came back mainly to play for a sixth consecutive World Cup, a record that he still holds along with Sachin Tendulkar. Miandar did not play very well in the World Cup. and bowed out after losing in the 1996 quarterfinal versus india at bangalore this is another example of a great player who was who overstayed his welcome and made people wonder will he ever really retire kapil dev is the best all-rounder india has ever had he was the one who brought true fast bowling to india Making his debut in 1977 he went on to become one of the four great all-rounders of that era. By the time he was nearing the end of his career in the mid 90s his bowling profile however had considerably weakened. His last 12 test matches brought only 24 wickets a shadow of his past and I remember as a kid I was waiting for Kapil to achieve the milestone of going past Richard Hadley's then record of 431 wickets in test matches. He achieved that record against Sri Lanka in 1994 and then he retired soon after but for more than a year and a half he was in the team mainly so that he can make that milestone. In fact his last big performance came in South Africa in 1992 and after that he was really not playing on top of his game. The other example here is uh, Sachin Tendulkar. Sachin Tendulkar's retirement announcement and the ensuing final series was a celebration of his stellar career of 24 years the indian board made sure that they bring south west indies for a three test home series which ended at uh, tendulkar's hometown of mumbai and and what was sachin's 200th test match the reception that he received from everybody around the world and his speech after his last test match were incredible to experience Talks about Sachin's retirement however had started all the way back in 2006 when he had a slew of injuries slump in form and also the team had issues with Greg Chappell as well in fact Sachin himself attested to this in his autobiography however he came through all that roaring back like a lion by having a spectacular run of form between 2008 and 2011 In the successful 2011 World Cup he was India's highest run getter with 482 runs and two centuries but then his form dropped significantly after that 
In his last 23 test matches, he did not score a single century. For someone who has scored 51 test centuries, to not score a century for that long puts in perspective how much his form had slided. He was still a good fielder and team player, but he was definitely limping through his last two years of test cricket. On the ODI front, he had made a quick decision to step out of the game at the end of 2012 as soon as he realized that he was not going to be around for the, until the 2015 World Cup and did not want to hamper the progress of the team in creating a team for the 2015 World Cup. A great career and perhaps the greatest Indian cricketer ever, but without bringing in emotions, one has to say he overstayed by at least a year, if not two. Similarly, Sunil Gavaskar also had a similar run in the mid-80s. He was brilliant until 1983 and then his 84-87 to was slow. 86 was good, but then he had slowed down considerably, only scoring four or five centuries in his last four years and thus uh, retiring in 1987 against Pakistan after scoring his 10,000th run. Another example from Sri Lanka was uh, Arjuna Rantunga. Another player who was past his prime, achieved great things for uh, Sri Lanka, but definitely overstayed. One common thing among all these players is that they would have never been dropped from their teams if not for their retirement. Saurav Ganguly's career was dotted with many highs and lows. He made his ODI debut in 1992 but did not become a regular in the team until his spectacular debut in England in 1996, where he scored two back-to-back centuries to start off his career. Later on in the decade, he became one of the best ODA batsmen in the world, and then he became India's lion-hearted captain in 2000, taking the team from the troubled times after the match-fixing scandal to becoming one of the best teams by 2004. However, his batting took a hit by 2004, he gave up his opening slot in ODIs to Virendra Sawag and in tests he was playing at number 5, sometimes even lower, depending on the situation. In 2006, he was both dropped as captain and from the team after his very famous spat with Greg Chappell, the then Indian coach. With his back up against the wall, he digged deep and played Ranji Trophy cricket and forced his way back into the team. In ODIs, he had a good 2007 but... Given his fielding deficiencies and running between the wickets, and with the team positioning itself for the 2011 World Cup, he was pushed out along with Rahul Dravid. One would say rightly so. However, he still had a very good 2007 and 2008 in test matches. He finally called it quits at the end of 2008 in a four-test match home series against Australia that India won. In his last test match, as a tribute to him, Dhoni gave him the honour of captaining the side for the last 15 minutes of the test match. Ganguly timed his retirement very well, knowing fully well that the next set of players would have most likely made it tougher for him to keep his place if he had played any longer. Tough, but a good decision in the end. Another one here was Ricky Ponting. Ricky Ponting is Australia's most successful batsman and captain. From the late 90s and through the mid-2000s, he was definitely the best batsman in the world during that period, especially in test matches. Having been in fine form until 2009, his form slumped in 2010 and 2011. He gave up the captaincy to Michael Clark in 2011 after holding it for a very long time. He took a team of world beaters from Steve Waugh in 2004 and continued the rise 
but then had a slew of retirements hayden langer martin gilchrist mcgraw warren gillespie that's a lot of players which meant that he had to transition to a new team this had a huge toll on him and his batting suffered as a result he brought his form back up into 2012 but then he could see that he had to make a move on in spite of the form he timed it appropriately and left the game for good in 2012 another big name who timed it well was sir vivian richards the last 3 years of uh, vivian richards's career in 1989 1991 were ordinary with the bat and his form was dipping dipping considerably he was captaining an extremely successful west indies team and in spite of having the opportunity to stay on until 1992 world cup he decided to hang up his boots after the 1991 england series away a good example of a cricketer who timed his exit well retiring on top is not something players can plan for It's a case of all the stars lining up perfectly for someone to achieve it. One of the best examples of such a retirement is Imran Khan's. The current Pakistani Prime Minister and the former captain of Pakistan led his team to victory in the 1992 World Cup in Australia after a tough start in the tournament and then announced that he's going to exit the game. He was 40 years old when he, when that happened. Even though he had retired previously in 1987, he was brought back at the request of the President of Pakistan. There could not have been a better exit from the game than to do it when you have the World Cup in your hand. Hands down, the best timed retirement of all time. Another one was Murlidharan. Muthai Murlidharan was eight wickets away from getting to a magical 800 wickets in Test cricket, going into his last Test match. He had already announced that he was going to retire and was also the highest wicket taker ever in Test history. Still is. His form never dipped much, even though he had a less than optimal 2009. In fact, if you look at his entire record, 2009 is the only year where he averaged below 35. In his last Test match, he took five wickets against India in the first innings and needed three more to make it 800. It was six wickets down for India in the second innings, and he had not added to his tally yet. Guess what? He then took three out of the last four wickets, including the last wicket. thus making it to 800 wickets and also ensuring that sri lanka folded india for a very small lead and then getting it very easily what a way to go final example here is steve waugh steve waugh said goodbye to test cricket at the end of the 2003 2004 series against india he had announced it at the start of that series itself and in fact the whole series was a celebration of how great a player he was However, in the final test match at Sydney, it came down to the final day when Australia had to play throughout the day in order to save the test match and to draw the series. And in true Steve Waugh style, he came through playing a gritty 80 and then saving the test match and also making sure that the series was a draw. He left the sport in top form as he averaged 80 in 2003. and of course with an amazing captaincy record with nobody who can match that great exit early retirements are always a shock michael clark was one of those players he was the aussie captain from 2011 onwards 
and was taking the team through a good period after the transition from the previous years. His batting took a little slump in 2013 and 14, but nothing that could not have been overcome if he had stayed on for longer. However, he decided to quit the game after an Ashes series loss in England in 2015. It was a shocking decision to come at the age of 34 and being just a batsman. Sir Alistair Cook also retired at the age of just 33. In spite of being so young, he played 161 test matches in the span of 12 years and captained England in 59 of those. That's one of the reasons why we don't think he understayed is because he played for 161 test matches. But his form had been consistent throughout and he wasn't playing in ODIs or T20 either. So his decision to leave the game was quite a shock and definitely one felt like he had a couple of years at least left in his game. Couple of other examples from the 1990s was Malcolm Marshall in 1991, definitely was a shocking exit, and Martin Crowe in 1995. Unfortunately, both of these players, great cricketers, are not with us anymore. There have been a spate of retirements since the World Cup ended. Some of them have been very, very early retirements, like Mohamed Amirs, who who retired from Test cricket at the age of 27. It's been called out as being a very impulse decision, but only he knows what's best for him. Another one is purely down to frustration, is Ambati Raidu's exit at the age of 33. Definitely part of the plans for India's World Cup team, but having not made it, he grew frustrated and then left. Another one which happened very in the last couple of weeks has uh, was uh, Hashim Amla. Amla, I think I can call it an early retirement because I definitely felt like he had a couple of years. His form had dropped a little bit, but then it did not drip far enough that he had to go. He had to retire. There are other three retirements uh, which were mostly expected. Uh, Dale Stein. His body has been uh, not listening to him anymore. A great cricketer, but definitely someone who uh, was breaking down more often than not. Uh, Yuvraj Singh, I think his ex- his retirement was very much uh, uh, along expected lines. Uh, he last played for India in 2017. He definitely did not have any line of sight to play for the national team again. Uh, he's been playing in 2020 franchise leagues quite a bit. But then he called it quits. Uh, great career again. Great player. But I think it was uh, writing was on the wall. The last one is uh, the great Chris Gale. The universe boss, as he calls himself, uh, announced that he will retire at the end of the World Cup, but did not. And then he's now playing against India in the uh, home series. And he's supposed to retire soon. Finally, it all really comes down to perception. How does the viewing public perceive a player's form and performance? It's not just based on the numbers, but also by the method in which that performance was put together. On that friend, Dhoni's uh, batting powers have definitely waned. And given that there are players like Rishabh Pant and Dinesh Karthik waiting to take his position, I have no doubt that even if Dhoni retired today, the team is in good shape. Ultimately, a team player like Dhoni should and will want that more than personal glory. After all, what else is left to achieve for someone like Dhoni? 